Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. I'm having so much more fun now. I have let them show me how to live their way. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 241. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey, kids. Have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way-out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. Fifty-two pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to the slow poisoner at gmail.com that's the slow poisoner at gmail.com while supplies last you remember them from your childhood half for the friendly ghost richie ridge hot stuff baby hooey sad sack and little audrey you read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. I plan to go on Charles F. Rosene's Magical History Tour in 2024. And here is Charles to talk about it. Hey, hey, this is Charles Rosene, sometime guest here on the Fun Ideas podcast. Have you ever thought of taking a Beatles tour to Liverpool? Well, I host and organize the Magical History Tour every summer, www.liverpooltours.com. But I'm here to tell you about two other things. My books. Yes, Mark isn't the only author. I've recently published the book of Top Ten Beatles Lists, where 64 celebrities gave their top ten favorite Beatles-themed lists with reasons why. And... 
promoters and all kind of fun stuff. Please check it out, www.bookoftop10beatleslists.com. It's the follow-up to www.bookoftop10horrorlists.com, where a hundred celebrities gave their favorite horror lists. Enjoy the upcoming show, and thank you for listening to my ad. Buy your Christmas and holiday gifts now. Why not Stars of the Walt Disney Productions? Or how about Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game? Or the revised and updated Looking for the Good Times Monkey book? Or one of 15 other books written by Mark Arnold? All are available through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and most through Bear Manor Media. Unconditionally Mad and Not Just Happy Together is still being formatted and both should see publication in 2024. I am currently at work on an article about Mr. Weatherby and am working on my TV animation book and another monkey's book and a book on Marvel's Crazy Magazine. More on that later. On today's show, we have a returning guest to discuss his participation in the commentary for Rankin Bass's Santa Claus is Coming to Town and the music of Rankin Bass. Here he is, Greg Airbar, Part 2. The Hobbit did win the Peabody Award which is pretty good and it won the christopher medal and okay. it also was the first um well i think that gene deitch maybe uh was it was trying to get a feature undone of it and i think you can see some footage of it but the rankin bass version was the first complete um film version of of a tolkien thing and the tolkien family approved the script that uh, romeo muller adapted for it yeah so it was it was very prestigious. It was not huge budget because it was a TV movie. So there are moments when you go, you know, the battle scene, that's just some little dots moving around. I guess they figure my screen isn't very big and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but then when you look at you look at the design by Lester Abrams and, yeah. and the hardcover books came out of that. Mm -hmm. It was and there also was and I think you may find this online. There was a Macy's float of Smaug, yeah. the dragon, and Orson Bean, because it was NBC, spoke, you know, oh, look, it's Orson Bean, where'd you come from? Well, I did, <laughs> and he he was on the Larry King show, and I called and asked about The Hobbit, and he said, I loved doing The Hobbit. He had a great time, and talk about a cast, Otto Preminger, and Paul right. Fies, and uh, <laughs> uh, Don Messick, and John yep. Stevenson, and mm -hmm. oh golly uh they really ramped up the cast for those for those yeah. two that they they couldn't do lord of the rings because ralph right. Bakshi had done it yeah. and ralph Bakshi didn't have nice things to say about the rank and bass version but <laughs> at least it wasn't live action traced so. yeah well i mean i've watched <laughs> it before i've watched the Hobbit, then Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, and then uh, Rankin Bass's Return of the King. So, yeah. you know, back to back, true. you know. I mean, it's different animation styles and techniques completely. And uh, it's, they're, but, they're all know, valid. They're all before valid. the live action uh, Peter Jackson trilogy. You know, that's kind of what you had. You know, it's like yeah. you wanted to see a, a good visualization of the entire epic, I, I suppose, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And by that time, uh, Disneyland Records was releasing Rankin Bass soundtracks, and they did a, a box set with the whole soundtrack of The yeah. Hobbit, and that got a Grammy nomination. Mm -hmm. 
which was I do kind. remember also they had like one of those little record readers of the Hobbit. They did, too, you know. Yeah, there were so. five or six versions. They did. They did the, the read along book, the read along cassette. They did a condensed soundtrack storyteller. Then they did the box set, and then and this is even this is cool. The green cover one that says songs by Glenn Yarbrough, which is just the songs, mm. and that one isn't as easy to find. But I don't know that it's necessarily rare. Um, yeah. But you get the songs in stereo, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want to continue on is more about the music. I want to go back to, well, let's go back to Rudolph. I think is, if I'm wrong, it might be because they did a children's soundtrack for like Pinocchio or something. Uh, is Rudolph the first soundtrack album to any Rankin Bass on that Decca album? Or is there yeah. was there something for the Pinocchio show? Well, well, technically, it was the first major major soundtrack the new adventures okay. of pinocchio was on ftp records okay. which is this is kind of fun to to look into as far as christmas and collecting too that was the the music service firm of forel thomas and pollock and that was uh those three people are where maury laws was working as an arranger oh, and orchestrator okay. and okay. you can and so ftp was a record label that they created because there were albums of songs by, I think it's the, um, oh gosh, it's the, one of them had an, had a singing vocal group and did a couple of albums. They're on YouTube, they're pretty rare. And, and Edward Thomas, I think, is, is his name. But, so FTP put out the soundtrack of Pinocchio. Um, it's pretty expensive to get secondhand, but it is on YouTube to listen to, and it's a story and song record of um of, of you know because those were serialized putting the adventures together but return to oz uh nothing but a, a test record with you know the the demos they used to put the demos on vinyl with different singers and a small band or a piano there was a demo uh record made of return to oz but no soundtrack there was uh, so rudolph was the first and you really it's only one-sided because the, the songs are not long and so Decca was not going to put out the 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 you know some, a record that's about eight minutes or no maybe i'd say <laughs> it's about 15 16 minutes long on side one so what they yeah. did was have a european orchestra do um sort of uh easy listening versions of not only right. all the songs from the musical but also a few of johnny marx's other christmas songs um, right. Herb, Herbert Ribbine, Rib, I don't know how to say it, Rib, Ribbine or Ribbine, who, who worked for uh -huh. Burt Camfort. So it has kind of a Burt Camfort sound to it. Mm, okay. So that was the first, yes. Um, the ones that did make it on uh, Drummer Boy and uh, Mouse on the Mayflower, also promotional uh, sound through the gas company. I don't know that. Now, why was that? Why, it, it, that seemed to be that Rankin Bass would do a lot of promotional albums yes, over they the did. years that weren't like commercially available. Had I seen those as a kid, I was said, gimme, gimme, gimme. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like, didn't they think there was an audience there for this? I think they did. And I think they wanted to convince record companies of that. So they packaged them themselves. It was also a great sales uh, tool. It was a great thing to hand out. You know, um, Hanna-Barbera's Alice was done as a studio album with the with members of the cast and the songs were a little different, but the soundtrack songs were issued on a vinyl record 
that E.H. Morris, the, the music publisher, put out. It's super duper rare, but that is on YouTube with the soundtrack. There's the six, well, the, the five songs plus the, the groovy, the groovy bossa nova opening that I love, you know, with the credits. <laughs> um, so they were they did the same thing, but uh, Rankin Bass did it with pretty almost if it wasn't commercially available, they usually did a promo. They did another one that was a Christmas uh, promo that had several selections on it, um, some of them in stereo, but they didn't uh, they, they didn't release. Well, though, let me see what's which ones they did do. And I think it was to convince record companies it was a viable thing because I'm sure the Rudolph one sold fairly well and Charlie Brown Christmas was done as a, as a music album in 65 and that's never gone out of print. They keep coming up right. with new versions for me to buy uh, or to convince my wife, please. I know I have it, but I don't have every single take. I don't have right. all <laughs> So you have that big uh, multi-hundred dollar version that came out well there it's it's oh. it's in the 70s and you know oh, okay. i still i'm still you know hoping this christmas couldn't do it last hoping this christmas it'll happen okay. yeah <laughs> they, they take you know what bugs me about the charlie brown christmas album is i think it i think the sides are wrong i think the sides are flipped and i always play it side two first and side one second because hmm. the christmas time is here by the children's chorus should come first and then right. the wonderful jazz you know that sort of fades slowly away should come at the end that's the finale you shouldn't yeah. start with o tannenbaum because that's the middle of the special i think from day one that was flipped wrong and it's never been changed it probably was now that i'm thinking about it and they never said eh, nobody will notice well, except Greg, it's not except impossible <laughs> it's not impossible and i'll tell you yeah. why because when the ray conniff christmas with conniff album was released on cd sony got it wrong and started it with Jingle Bells instead of Here Comes Santa Claus. And I spoke when when Real Gone Music reissued all the kind of stuff on one set. Mm -hmm. I knew the producer and said, do you know that Christmas was kind of is backward, you know, is, is flipped wrong? Because the first song should be Here Comes Santa. He said, no, I didn't know that. So thank you, America because on that set it's correct but hmm. sometimes they you know mistakes can be made yeah. it, it's not a crime it's just that you know as a musical presentation the charlie yeah. brown should be played you know side two first just yeah. just you know okay i'll have to keep that in mind because well, of course i have it on cd so at the start trek cd's wrong cd's <laughs> <Yeah>. wrong <laughs> <laughs> you uh, know, and when the new one came out, I, I and they were advertising it on Facebook. I said, "Please flip the sides. Please listen to it. It's it makes perfect sense." Yeah, I don't think they did. I think they'd already produced it. Maybe yeah. someday, you know, yeah. thank you, America. But I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold my breath. Anyway, Rankin Bass, um, uh, MGM did the complete, and these were the first two that were complete. Oh, I can actually, if we want to go off of Christmas, King Kong was released as a story oh, okay. soundtrack on epic records along with yeah. the wacky world of mother goose wonderful okay. uh, score uh, by george wilkins and mm -hmm. jules Bass. george wilkins arranged uh, a lot of the music for epcot center in uh, florida or epcot now mm -hmm. but a lot of that stuff george wilkins works with imagineering a lot and the daydreamer was issued on columbia masterworks uh, mad monster party was not released officially mm -hmm. it's never been released officially uh RC oh, even now okay no oh, what's okay. out is is not official okay uh, but it but uh if a if a, an official record company is interested 
and doing it, let me know because you know it's the mass the stereo masters exist. Mm. Um, uh, the mono version that's out there is not official. Mm -hmm. It's nice it's out there, you know, at least we have it, but if the real one became available, I'd buy it now. Well, I'd interrupt <laughs> this this Zoom and buy it. Yes. Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it's not I, the ones that have come out are just almost rarer than hen's teeth. I mean, the Rudolph special has kind of been generally in print in some form over the years. But yeah. I mean, it's like a lot of them, like I would have killed to have uh, a single of Heat Miser and Snow Miser on the B side. You know, yeah. I think that would have been a killer double sided hit. And <laughs> they never put it out. Is it because. Sometimes the singles don't, because I know uh, Robert Goulet tried a single on Daydreamer. He sang it a few times on TV, but it flopped, you know, and yeah. uh, even the Rudolph, I, and do, I, I have to ask you this. Do you have these things? Yeah. Like the single? Are those... I don't have the single of Daydreamer, oh. but I do have okay. the single of the Ballad of Smokey the Bear okay. uh, sung by, well, there's two versions. There's, um, I can't remember who, it was one of those vocal groups like Johnny Mann, but not Johnny Mann, Norman Luboff okay. maybe. But they did do two songs from Ballad of Smokey Bear were released, and I believe that was epic. And also um, the Richard Wolf Children's Chorus on RCA Camden mm -hmm. recorded the mm -hmm. Ballad of Smokey the Bear. So they, they popped up here and there, but as far as soundtracks, there was a huge gap. No, no drummer boy officially, yeah. you know, only yeah. the promo. And, and they weren't making as many either. Oh, Cricket in the Hearth. I, excuse me, I should remember that. With yeah. Marlo and Danny Thomas and Ed Ames and Abby Elaine. Great score. I love Fish and Chips. That was, was a legit so soundtrack. That was a regular soundtrack, wasn't it? That, that was an RCA, Victor, and it's actually yeah. on Spotify, okay. um, which I'm thrilled that that is, because that's got terrific songs in it. Um, that's available, um, and it was released in stereo, so yes. I should, I'm should. i glad um, that popped in my head. So, yeah, that was probably after Rudolph. That was the second one that I can recall. Yeah. And then you had, yeah. in 1970, you had santa claus i don't think frosty was necessarily released when um when it was first out and may have been well, 69 so didn't frosty have two separate soundtracks one was just the dialogue with june Frey doing the voice of her <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um which i think aired originally that way if i'm corrected i i don't remember i remember watching it when it was new and i don't remember june foray doing okay. karen's voice okay okay um so uh because he, i've heard that the first airing but i was three years old i don't know uh was june foray and then they changed it for all subsequent airings but i don't yeah. know and of yeah, course i don't know but june foray is on the soundtrack or... album and there's that one and then there's another one with a different cover that i guess is just the music I don't know. I don't but recall it, but, another one with another but, couple. Yeah, I'll have to show that to you. But again, all these things are rarer than hen's teeth. I don't know what the story is on ranking bass stuff. I mean, they get great ratings and you can't find this stuff. Um, well, you know, there yeah. there has never been a, and this is partially also because um, music is a notoriously difficult thing to license. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it it is a it is a major thing that uh, some of this stuff got on the CD. Actually, I, I produced the first CD that had Chris. Uh, it was only 10 mm -hmm. selections, but that had uh, Rankin Bass stuff 
on a CD one? with Hanna Barbera. It was called Billboard Family Christmas Classics. Oh, that's a different one. Okay. And and that has a an edit of Frosty that I asked them to do that's different from the one that Sony did. Sony came out with this Christmas is the one I have cartoon Christmas volume one and two. Okay. Um, this is the one that's that one came later. Uh, okay. Rudolph and Frosty and Friends came out later. But the okay. first one was Bill at least a year earlier was in like 95 96 was billboard family christmas classics and we had christmas time is here okay. which was on cd already but we added on frosty the snowman i believe that was for the first time mm-hmm. um we had uh coming up christmas time from actually it was originally in casper's first christmas but it's in yogi's <laughs> first christmas um more more you know it better from that because they sing it like six times and that's right because they have 90 minutes to, <laughs> to um let's sing and, it again <laughs> yeah yeah um and uh I'm, I'm off the top of my head uh uh we need a little christmas for mame with the that's from the that's from the broadway version ryushu by the monkeys yeah um, but that was that that one was first but it only had 10 cuts on it and yeah. then the Rudolph Frosty one was released with more, and it also included a little bit off directly off the soundtrack of Mr. Magoo, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of things from that. And then the two Nick at Night ones, which had a lot of great stuff. But before that, um, many of those things weren't available. And that, that it costs a lot of money because not only do you have to compensate like the ASCAPs and the BMIs and all that, but you also have to look into union payments because sometimes things are recorded or presented and they didn't figure that into the budget, you know, commercial Mm -hmm. recordings. That's one of the reasons also the Rankin Bass stuff was not for, uh, not for sale because those, those records were made for internal use and they weren't, um, they, they weren't licensed so that they can be sold in retail stores that's a different license it's like the same thing with with disney attractions the people would say why isn't there a soundtrack of this or this show or this attraction sometimes they they don't add that in at the beginning and to do it later it costs a lot and it's still done enough enough alice in wonderland was that way um the soundtrack was never available until like 97. right because Decca owned the rights or purchased the rights, they did not release an album, and <laughs> and so it it may, it meant that they had to uh, go in, and that's one of the reasons that 2D Camaradas was made was because uh, Disneyland okay. Records didn't have access to that without an enormous amount of re, re, renegotiation and stuff. So, and the film at the time was not a huge it's not the classic it's considered now you know it was it was shown on the disneyland show almost right away so mm-hmm. they weren't going to put a lot of money into an album of it so that this magnificent studio version was done so when people wonder well why why wasn't yeah. this on track of this or that sometimes yeah. that's the reason i guess i was spoiled because uh it was on facebook recently somebody says what's the first album you ever bought as a kid or whatever and mine was i don't know if i bought it but i it's the one that was I got. You know, it was the Sesame Street book and record. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And uh, and you know, I don't I didn't know all these things at age three, four, five, you know. It's like so, you know, I said, Hey, why aren't all my favorite shows on record? And I did get a Mr. Rogers record back then. And uh, but a lot of these TV shows, these rank and bass things, nothing. Mm-hmm. And 
I also was one that I liked little toy figures of everything. Uh, it's only it's only been like three or four years ago that I finally got what I wanted when I was a little kid, and they had this little storybook thing with a hardcover that has like little, ten little figures of the Rudolph characters. I was like, yeah. where was this in 1971? It wasn't because because if you recall, and you probably remember this, yeah. the characters of Rudolph and Santa Claus and Frosty the Snowman were fairly generic, and if you yeah. got a golden book, they had that version of them. And if yeah. you bought a toy, you got that version. The Rankin Bass ones had not taken hold of of um, the beloved position that they're in now. Oh, and so yeah, but... now, you, I mean, we knew, yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah. for the most part, for years, they were just whatever rendition. You know, I think the Max Fleischer Rudolph was kind of a model in a way. He kind yeah. of was, but. It didn't. It's like there's so many different looks of Santa. The Coca-Cola one is the most well known, and everything. Yeah. But and even in Rankin Bass, Santa looks different in different specials. But there wasn't a definitive Rudolph, um, and it was a uh, it was something that ha happened over the time. And in the '90s, I believe it was we didn't have a lot of CVS stores where I lived, so it was a very big deal when a CVS opened because they were the uh, one of the first to start selling. The figurines that the toy sets with the different characters in them right and and i have i still have a jessica pen you know it's like a jessica pen you know and a, and a plush <laughs> jessica you know they made toys out of all but that just like you i was waiting for that to yeah. happen and yeah. others were too because now you can buy a popcorn uh, bucket you know with the now they have too much stuff but it's like eh, you know i just can kind of look at it and go huh well, it's, Rudolph yeah, candy bar okay yeah <laughs> and eventually you need to have a place to put you know the fridge and the stove and yeah <laughs> but it, it's just funny how it changed from being never merchandised to yep. like saturation point like all right already you know? well <laughs> like... that's the that's the era we live in it's you know and all of Rudolph is controlled by a Rudolph company controlled very very strongly yeah by. i was gonna ask you that i mean who owns rudolph because i mean it was the Ru song... i believe it's the rudolph company <laughs> okay because it has, I... it has its own holding company okay. um, and that's the other complicated things about rankin bass specials okay. is you've got the rudolph company owning the character you have okay. um a, originally you know for a while Lorne Michaels owned the early, the pre-1970 specials, and we put the VHSs out on Broadway video, and they made the Coneheads pilot with mm -hmm. uh, with Lorne Michaels. Then uh, Warner got all the specials from, like, 1970 on, or maybe 69, yeah, because Ro Frosty's in there, and Drummer Boy, 68. But the early, early ones um, were on... Oh, I thought the cutoff... Uh, sorry to interrupt and correct what? you. I think the difference was in 74. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah because you got yeah. one Frosty and one group, the Universal yeah. group, and the other Frosty was always the Warner group. That's correct. Warner Brothers group. And until this, which we keep plugging. That's right. Never the twain they should meet. They'd have that crummy Frosty Returns that wasn't even a Rankin-Bass special. Yeah, which was Goodman which was designed to, to yeah. fill an hour because yeah. the year the Frosty was always getting huge, huge ratings in that 30-minute. Uh, yeah. segment and so twas the night before christmas followed it for years and that got huge ratings so somebody at cbs must have said let's put a sequel to frosty well they already did one on abc so yeah. and which is also owned by warner yeah. so 
the other frosty was made and you know it's nice and it not only has john goodman doing doing a nice job but john goodman had done so many voices by that time when it was like what's john <laughs> goodman? It's, it's monsters inc it's yeah, yeah. You know, and also a very young elizabeth um oh madman elizabeth uh you know peggy i can remember everything but her last name oh okay the, well, the well, lady who the, the actress who played the act she played peggy elizabeth moss Oh, okay. A child actor plays the young girl. And that's not Karen. It has nothing to do with the other, probably because they couldn't. Yeah. And it's nice, but it, well, it, it, did, it did bother fans. <laughs> so ex explain that. I mean, why is there the universal, now universal stuff and the Warner Brothers stuff? I mean, and what was it originally? What What created that change to where it have different ownership like that? I think it well that's what i was saying is that rankin bass had to sign with whoever would back up it, it whether it was general electric back when when uh sponsors ruled the airwaves and then later it was uh co-productions with you know for films it was um embassy pictures for a while and yeah. as it as time went on whoever owned them just uh, and when video came out um whoever got those rights to those it was based on who signed contracts for whatever so yeah those split it's like warner brothers remember what happened for a long time oh the pre-48s pre that's right. yeah. And, yeah yeah you no know, the, the cartoons um, were not combined now is there anything to do with you know behind you you have rank and bass production but you also have video craft listed is there anything to do with those two different company names or is, has nothing well to do it with was it? that changed too yeah that's good you bring that up because rank and bass was was video craft international limited originally then it became rank and bass productions and then it was uh, a division of tomorrow entertainment same thing that happened to hanna-barbera you know with with uh, taft and right. then uh later in the 70s uh or actually early 80s when thundercats and a lot of people don't realize that was rankin bass too um yeah it's <laughs> part of telepictures so they were hmm. they were associated with so many different companies and this is an era of of intellectual property or ip um and so the ownership you know the acquisitions of things get very complicated because you've got to deal with all of these different owners so it is a it is a herculean task that mm -hmm. that dvd and blu-ray set was put together because mm -hmm. you know they're when they when a company owns stuff they want their stuff out right. there and and that's the thing is that the rank and bass stuff is all over the map rudolph's owned by by a company but drummer boy isn't really owned the song is licensed but the character is licensed you know it's just like batman with the you know fox mm -hmm. owned the 66 series um but warner owned the character <laughs> so you have all those those complications there it's, it's uh it sort of just fell in but the public is responding by watching or buying the shows over and over and over again and kind of kind of telling them instead of telling us what they want and they kind of want the ones they grew up with and they want to share with their kids and that's evolved. you know the, the power of the public there's a lot of a lot of people out there and if they all vote with their wallets and say i want to see this 
and I'm going to buy it. And then they actually do instead of just say so, it, you know, we do count. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, um, on this set, uh, you do commentary just on uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Is that right? Come yeah, in. To yeah. Town. Come in. I, to I, town. And I'm in the, uh, <laughs> uh, Mark Evanier is on um, the, the Frosty, the snowman one. Okay. And um, there's also a, uh, a 45 minute, the Animagic world of Rankin Bass documentary that okay. yeah here's the blu-ray one that i have also you know, oh yeah yeah the five. yeah but you're on yeah. that one too so. and that has the same <laughs> a lot of the same features yeah so <laughs> if you're looking for for those features yeah. uh, th those are um the documentary is pretty cool because it has uh john favreau because mm -hmm. of elf um it has uh henry Selleck, who mm -hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach, which I really love and wish more people knew about. Mm -hmm. um, and it had uh, Brenda Chapman and Kevin Lima. Um, so many, so many people who were influenced, the Chiodo brothers, um, mm -hmm. people that were influenced by these specials and what an impact that they had mm -hmm. uh, on, on things. So it's nice that that, that came together right. because it really is all about rank and bass and what it's meant mm -hmm. to lots of people and not right. only one person. Now, when you recorded yours, how, how did that come about? Um, and where, well, and where did you I was, record I it? was just <laughs> called and said, you know, we, we have this last minute thing. Um, would you like to do? And I said, would I, cause it's my favorite. <laughs> it's my yeah. favorite. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I was asked to come in and, uh, since I have the soundtrack album, that helped me memorize it over the years anyway. I mean, I know that by heart. And I'm yeah. always quoting uh, Mickey Rooney, you know, golly, you know, about the toys, in danger from toys, you know, halt, stop, not me. I mean, he, he is like off the wall doing that. Off the wall. And, and so... Uh, I made a few notes, but I never looked at them. I just, uh, in the car, I, I, I played it in my head because I know it so well. Thought yeah. about what am I going to say? And let's face it. I mean, you and everybody listening, I, I, you know, I do this on street corners if you want. I, I can talk about this stuff and just yeah. blather on. <laughs> so they put you in this studio, you know, with the guy behind the, the window and all and uh, with headphones and a microphone and they have enough oh we're running out of oh sorry go ahead with with a, a microphone and headphones mm -hmm. and you just uh look at the, the 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 nice big screen and they project it and i just blabbed for 51 minutes and <laughs> and talked about every detail i possibly could a lot about the music and the voices roby lester who um just adore and became actually became a friend of the family because of mouse tracks this lady who thought she was forgotten didn't mm -hmm. realize the fan base she had just yeah. by reading all those disneyland books mm -hmm. over the years and and then by being the voice of jessica she actually had pictures made with her dressed as mrs claus and she came to this convention and sang the song and 
she was overwhelmed with the outpouring of love to her. She had no idea. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of these people didn't. And that's really what's gratifying is these people getting recognized, you know. Roby Lester mm -hmm. being on Wikipedia after, you know, and a lot of it came out of Mousetracks, that makes me so thrilled that mm -hmm. she people know who she is. <laughs> you know? Well, there's a section, I there was no editing in this thing, hmm. except once when Jessica comes on screen for the first time, she goes, wait, you must not play with toys. Well, I said, can you roll it back to the part where she first enters? Because I want to explain something. And what it was, was that that's not Roby Lester going, wait, that's Joan. Oh. You know, they, they, oh. <laughs> oh, I don't I know why Roby probably wasn't there. She said she was there at the session with Fred Astaire, but not Mickey Rooney wasn't there and some other stuff, but they just added it and it just doesn't sound like her. You know, so I yeah. want people to notice that's not her. I, you know? I've noticed that. I didn't even think about it being a different actress. I just said it sounded odd. Odd. You know, but yeah. Now I well, know. Other now thing I know. Is, okay. Uh. The other thing is that I don't know if you saw it in syndication, but he calls the penguin Topper. I'll name you Topper. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I <laughs> just Mickey Rooney. Um all, all year long in danger from toy i'm sorry i digress <laughs> um still makes me laugh anyway uh, we'll build ourselves a nice house um he, he says everything but i was the number one star in the world um <laughs> when he called when he names him topper that's what i knew that's what we all knew and it's on the album that way when it was syndicated Paul Freeze is going, I'll call you Waddles. And it's so weird because it, he doesn't so even... that's where it. that came from. I was wondering yeah. where that came from. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I can only guess that Topper was a toy company. And maybe that was the reason because what's the matter with Topper except that Topper was a pretty... That was, was a, a movie, a toy company <laughs> yeah. for a And a book. <laughs> I don't know. I Three don't know. movies, actually. But so it was... Know. They're sweater waddles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it didn't even it didn't even. Try. Well, at least that solves a mystery. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it was Hermie supposed to be her B because it really sounds in a couple scenes that they said her B then her me, and well, you know, apparently uh, in the script it's Hermie, okay. but uh, you never know in sessions okay. how who was in the room and who was recording. I when. When the head elf says it, it sounds like Herbie. Yeah, it's when and he comes in and he's smashing through the toy. Herbie! Yeah, like yeah. not it's for really you! Yeah. Finish the job! You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. The same as the voice of Yukon Cornelius. That's an actor. I cannot remember his name, but he's he's bald and he's in a million things. Right. And, like, he's, uh, and he was the co-star on a show called... Uh, with Sam Groom, he's a Canadian actor, um, that was about a doctor, a mobile doctor on the on the go. Um, but I honestly, you know, it's it's escaping me now. Um, uh, but he he was the he was the head elf as well, and they they uh, oh gosh, he I think I just wonder. I it's just like Hermie is spelled M E Y sometimes or M I E. It's uh, same as Rosie the robot. I contend that Rosie was always I E until 1985, 
when <laughs> the title card, which was which was done in 1985, spelled it EY. Um, there may have been toys or things that said EY in the early 60s too, but the record album says IE. Okay, I looked it up just so we could end our brain fart. Larry D. Man. Larry D. Man. Larry yes. D. Man. <laughs> yes. Thank you. One of those people who you see and go, oh, I know. I know. And it's funny, he and uh, James Doohan were uh, buddies for a while. And I think in James Doohan's book, you know, about how he doesn't like William Shatner, um, he he apparently isn't too kind to Larry Mann either. I think that they kind of had a had a falling out. But they both were radio <laughs> and animation actors. And James Doohan is in the first animated Rankin-Bass feature when it was Videocraft, Willie McBean and his Magic Machine, which uh, also didn't have a soundtrack album. Okay. And I, I have never seen. I, I will say a lot of that early stuff I still have never seen. I'm sure it's out there on bootleg like we always talk about. But, uh, you know, it's like, I'd like legit releases. I don't know what's happened to some of these. Maybe they don't think it'll sell, but, you know... Um, I don't know. I well, guess there was Ar a there was archives. Evening... It wouldn't be that one because that would be the other end. That's the classic media stuff that's universal. So they I did a know. nice job I'm... with the Daydreamer, and that came out on Blu-ray. Uh, that was yeah. actually Kino Lorber uh, did did a oh, nice okay. job. Uh, Mad Monster Party, um, but Wacky World of Mother Goose, and the uh, and the Willie McBean is totally. That was I don't even know if that was ever. No, I don't think that was well, the, ever. the Mother Goose was on DVD. I did yes, get that. Yes, I do yeah. have that. But Willie McGee is just like you know. I mean, totally I forgotten. know like, yeah. And that wasn't yeah. that was an embassy. That was something called Magna Pictures. So who knows who who ended up inheriting yeah. that or absorbing yeah. that? You know, and that's part of the problem uh, is locating those people, getting them to negotiate. Is it worth it? Will it sell enough? You know, the old it called R. ROI return on investment. So that's that's an issue there, but the fact that they made it makes it kind of cool and it's a neat it's a neat story. I saw it at a matinee. It was on on the big screen. Yeah. Matinee. It was so exciting. Yeah. to see it, but I, I wanted it as my goal to get all the ones with the little figures, all the specials and everything. And then I realized that early stuff is just MIA, so Oh well, well it's, <laughs> I it's got the everything. Same I think, with, like we said, with the songs, I, I even got. You know, I don't think you're going to see the the complete music of Rankin Bass specials. I'm never going to say never because look, the set came out, but I don't know that the the. With I want it out on. now! Come on, I you want know. it now! Come on, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Daddy, I want one. I want a CD like that. All right, Baruka. <laughs> <laughs> On second thought, I don't. No. <laughs> um, you're doing voices, and I know we're running out of time, but we'll we'll rejoin in a couple of seconds. Uh, uh, you're doing voices of like uh, um, <laughs> Mickey Rooney, but I always like Paul Frieza's voice. It's like you're breaking your own law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's just that he, he does that uh what's the actor's uh name you know oh that's like um, that. that's eric Bloor. eric Bloor. That, that I, you know yeah <laughs> i love him i didn't even know honestly that uh that's what paul freeze was imitating originally you know until years later i saw like 
uh probably some fred and ginger movie or fancy mm-hmm. pants or something and top, I go, oh top my hat god. he's in yeah it's top and hat, he's top also hat. And, he's and also I go, oh my god he's the guy that, he's inspector fenwick you know because i know paul freeze would use the same voice on a lot of different characters you know he's mr toad in uh, yeah. Ichabod, mr toad <laughs> so anyway but you know it's like those were the vo- I love the Paul Freeze voices, and it's like, oh, yo, yo, I love. Anyway, well, I managed to save one little toy, and you know we ought to just act it out. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do our own version. We'll do a live version right here. That's our next podcast. We're gonna re-record. Santa Claus is coming to town now. Somebody else is gonna have to do Julie or whatever her character's name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be funny. That would be so funny. <laughs> I was always too. Oh, that's on uh, Rudolph. Sorry, wrong special. <laughs> what is the song? Oh, Jessica, that's her name. What What is the song Jessica sings? Oh, my I world heard? is beginning today, that's which right. is so psychedelically groovy. And they and then the the birds take out her bun. Robbie Lester had perfect pitch, and it's such a showcase for how you know she sang for Ava Gabor in the Aristocats and in uh, the Rescuers. She sang in the song Guantanamera by the Sandpipers. Wow. When they're, and the words mean, she's the one who, <laughs> she's singing it in Spanish while they're, she's, she, her voice was in a lot of things. She did a lot of looping as well. There's an episode of That Girl where Donald yeah. is sitting down, um, I think to lunch with a young lady and hey, Robbie Lester's voice is coming out of her, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. She just was, she was very busy in that era. And that's that song is the is so wild and seventies and they go into the two D animation and it's mm-hmm. so it's so groovy and and hypnotic and um, and then they do the the classic Hollywood you know uh, woman takes out the bun and you know, <laughs> not as 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 a, you know as uptight you know there's a scene in Pollyanna uh, where Jane Wyman does that she's sitting at the mirror yeah. undoes the bun you know and brushes. Mm-hmm that's you know what that means. <laughs> so she's uh she you know and then at the end i love it she's she's singing to like a, a photograph of herself in the pond oh yeah you know <laughs> and, oh and then she looks very very anime you know she has this square nose that comes together oh, yeah. you know? but but uh, Robi- i thought it was weird that it went to the flat animation i mean was there a reason for that did they make a mistake was- and they said oh crap and so then they said let's well let's just do some cell animation we can't get the figures again or something i i don't know i don't think so i think it was just a design just of the different. song okay. to take it away and to to break okay. it up because that is the that's the ballad number that might not keep the kids you know it, the, is is interested so they have to keep it moving and keep something going on and this is also this yeah. is 6970 this was made this is when filmation was doing it with archie songs and That's the true. banana splits with hanna barbera they were they were using that sort of thing um disney didn't really do that um you know just go somewhere um ex- i mean i'm not talking fantasia and that kind of thing but taking a song in a film and totally going into a graphic look until really lion king i just want to be king i think aristocats they did you know that well, everybody they, wants yeah, to be a cat they, goes into multicolors. it's around that same time but they didn't as this leave special. completely so, you know didn't leave yeah i guess completely. so yeah, yeah. where where <laughs> man called flintstone did they they yeah. uh they 
you know, the songs in Man Called no, Flintstone. Left compl- <laughs> when you bent over, you left completely. <laughs> well, I, I did because I got to plug in. The, the, but in Man Called Flintstone, the spy type guy and teammates and Tickle Toddle, they're, they're, they go off into different graphic looks and are quite impressive and fun. But it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't done much in... In, in animated uh, shows and features as often uh alice in wonderland what's a nice kid like you that has some of that we talked about how it was sort of reminiscent of hong kong fooey's transformation scene where he's jumping in in the alley um that kind of thing mm-hmm. but rankin bass mm-hmm. did it occasionally uh rudolph shiny new year the, the, the when he tells the story of rudolph because rudolph was too he was too shy to tell his own story so he had the trees and tell them in the wind. No, <laughs> I can't say Happy New Year without saying Happy New Year, the baby. <laughs> God bless. In a, in a gust of wind, blew the New Year. <laughs> um, it is funny that Rankin Bass would pick some of these people, but I think that, you know, they probably did pick their own favorites after a while. They just said, Hey, let's get Red Skelton for this one. Hey, let's yeah. get so and so for this. And it you was know, a so. welcome thing for viewers who who loved these people because they they appeared occasionally, maybe on talk shows and things, but they didn't yeah. not all that much. So Red Skelton had been canceled by the time. Yeah that that shiny new year came on and he had essentially sort of retired and and fred astaire i think finian's rainbow he announced he wasn't going to dance anymore in a film and that was 68 yeah. and maybe in that's entertainment too he did a little bit yeah but <laughs> and he was making like the amazing dobermans and things like that in the 70s so yeah. it was nice to these were these were welcome i mean seeing shirley booth so much longer after hazel um, that was kind of a, and Angela Lansbury was known more for her stage and her early screen appearances. And to those of us who love bed knobs and broomsticks, um, mm-hmm. but that really wasn't the smash that Mary Poppins was. So Angela Lansbury's fame at the time was for Sweeney Todd and for Mame and things like that, you know, and, yeah. and they would use Broadway people a lot too especially in that period because dinty doyle the actor who was dinty doyle in the leprechauns he was in sweeney todd so quite a few of the actors they would bring in were were stage you know peggy cass you know we hadn't hadn't seen peggy cass in a while (laughs) yeah well you You talked about uh new york voice actors i mean one we haven't mentioned uh is right here uh jangle bell he he was Bradley Polky, who mm-hmm. was another total television person, but he was totally a New York guy. So, yep. you know, he he did the new Casper cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the first family album. All these things recorded in New York. So, you know, he never really ventured out to the West Coast, I don't think, ever in his life, uh, because that's where he was doing all his recordings. So, you know. Uh, well, that's, that's the same with um, uh, Alan Swift, who also... Yeah. You know, there's another real versatile actor, and he did he did a lot of voices in Year Without a Santa Claus. They they tended to do an, a primarily New York, Canadian, or LA casting with their specials. But in yeah. Year Without, um, and oh, and and uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas, he does Santa. He does, and and Bob McFadden is in that as well. So, but Alan yeah. Swift carries almost all the voices in Mad Monster Party. 
he's like the Paul yeah. of the West, the East Coast, because he's doing so yeah. many voices. And he was someone you heard right. a lot, and it's kind of nostalgic yeah. now. Um, and he was a Broadway actor. A lot of these people were largely staged. They do commercials um, and things and voiceovers, but they were largely stage actors. And Swift did a lot of stuff for Total Television too. I mean, right. so yeah, again, New York, all New York stuff. So yeah, was it yeah. wasn't that at the studio? It says at the end of uh, oh, at the end of King Leonardo, the studio that Aura or something, where that Howard Stern's father owned. Yeah, Aura, Aura Audio Studios or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, Ben Stern was the person behind that, which uh, he just passed away and you know like at age 99 or something recently wow. but he was still around you know and i used to wonder why you know howard stern had this connection to with this strange lady who wore a costume the underdog lady in the old days and then i realized oh his dad recorded all this stuff so that makes <laughs> sense so anyway. what you mean norma mcmillan so, no, not uh, no. Uh, Ben's no, no. Uh, underdog lady was um, this uh, probably this uh, just transient person that dressed up in an odd <laughs> uh, flowing outfit, really kind of vaguely resembled underdog. But he used to have her on the show on his TV show back in the nineties, and it's oh. like, why is he having this crazy lady, you know, uh, who has nothing to do with the real underdog on his show? And then I realized, oh, his dad recorded the the audio tracks for Underdog and everything else. So, you know, the, you know, he's giving giving her some airtime just because of that, which is kind of strange. But that's Howard Stern for you. So, well, <laughs> anyway. David Letterman, when he was on NBC, would have. Uh, quite often would have offbeat, not just Larry Bud Melman, but offbeat uh, guests. Yeah. Uh, he had Princess Gloria. Yeah. Who, I don't know who she was, and he and he. I think he was one of the first people to book Brother Theodore a lot, and you know yeah. he didn't make and sense. He Chris just, Elliott a lot. <laughs> yeah, but Brother Theodore was Gollum, and yeah. you know, much as I like the Peter Jackson versions, you know how much maybe Andy Serkis never saw the animated version, but it's just Gollum. <laughs> maybe it's just the only way to do Gollum. <laughs> but when, when brother Theodore talks on yeah. Dave, you know, that's him. Mm -hmm. What a, what a unforgettable performance. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, once again, we're straying off topic, but we'll bring it back. Well, no, we're not. Cause that's, day. that's no. ranking bass. That's, oh, okay. you know, oh we, that's true. That's true. You know. But, um, I wanted to finish up uh, our show, though, a, a little more on uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, just because that's the one you did the commentary on. Uh, my, it, it, It's your favorite, but I don't know if you really explained why. I mean, you'd like Mickey Rooney's voice, but <laughs> is that the real, and what he yeah, says? I, I mean, Mickey what, Rooney, what, I, don't, I don't know. Now, I Mickey will say Rooney. for myself, it's probably number one or number two. You know, number one might be Year Without a Santa Claus for me. So it's my favorite for a number of reasons. One is that uh, I I think it may have been my first Rankin Bass record, that and Frosty. And Santa Claus has kind of, I love Frosty, but that ha this has a full score. It has all these great voices. It, it has so much of what I love in it. Uh, Roby Lester, Paul Freese. 
Joan Gardner. It has the Mike Sam Singers, which they did a ton of Disney albums. I love their specific sound, and you know it's them. They were on Tomfoolery, too. You mm-hmm. know that. They, they went under many names. And so on Tom Fuller, no, actually the the Mad Mad Comedians, it says the oh, yeah. Law Singers. They had no problem with that. They could be whatever you wanted to call them, but it was the Mike <laughs> Sam Singers. So it has them. Um, I, I listened to that album all the time. I loved mm. that album. Uh, I didn't stop with Christmas because I, hey, makes you happy. Great music. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. I also feel like that's when they had found and it was Maury Laws's favorite too um mm. they were firing on all cylinders they were all over Saturday morning they had perfected the animated Christmas special the look mm. the animation uh herky-jerky as it could be it all worked perfect and Romeo Muller had created this completely made up completely mm. made up fiction that probably a lot of people think is part of the legend. I mean, that's the other thing Rankin Bass gave us is several legends that <laughs> is part of what we think just mm-hmm. as much as, as different um, cultures and communities gave us the different parts of Christmas. They're part of the whole now. So mm-hmm. that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. I love the songs. I, every, I love every, every, every millisecond of that that show i mean i love a lot of <laughs> like, like i mentioned the first christmas no i love the hobbit hobbit means a lot to me personally mm-hmm. uh, the greatest adventure is a great song i love the daydreamer daydreamer they weren't ready to make and it's it's it has issues as a feature mm-hmm. but and so as a whole it, it it has issues but what a score first laws and bass score um right what a cast what a <laughs> what an overwhelming attempt to do something they had no money to do mm-hmm. you know it was way too over they're way too over their heads but it's still cool mm-hmm. and, and it could be it, it could be terrible and it's actually quite watchable it was on mm-hmm. tcm they had a night of rankin bass on tcm wow and they showed the daydreamer wacky world of mother goose and mad monster party and you had ben mankowitz talking about them as the classics mm-hmm. they are and i thought well that's quite nice so call mm-hmm. me when they do the Hanna Barbera night, and uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I guess you could. You, know, you Charlotte's, could do that. Charlotte's Web, Man Called Charlotte's Flintstone, Web, Man Called Flintstone, Song, uh, Bear, and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you ever so much. All right, because it's on people. Boomerang. <laughs> it's on Boomerang uh, yeah. with no fanfare. It just pops up, yeah. um, and so it's licensed for something. I yeah. think they could they could do very well to look into restoring it and putting it on max and promoting it as the special, the law special that most of you haven't seen with Fred and Barney in it, mm-hmm. you know, and a score by the people who made bye bye birdie. And uh, one of them wrote Annie, you know, this is, this is not to be just tossed aside. I think people. Would I, I'm surprised that they never put it like as just a bonus on any ish, reissue of the Flintstones all these years, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, here's a rare appearance by them, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it should be part of the, you know, and it is kind of cool. She falls in her TV set and she finds the friend Barney. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, uh, well, it might be, not be the only time, but it is one time where you have both Fred's, both original Fred's That's doing true. the voice. You know, it's you Alan Reed and Henry Gordon. Well, you, know, <laughs> you know when else you have that? You have, well, you have it in Man Called Flintstone, but you also have, and this is probably, I know this is on YouTube, the Conservation Energy Special. 
Oh yeah. Um, where Fred is talking about, you know, insulating your, your water heater and stuff. <laughs> and, and they turned it into a, like a one minute PSA. And suddenly it's Henry Cord. Let's sing a song about <laughs> conservation energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, you know, good times, good times. <laughs> All right. One person you didn't imitate. Now I'm dragging it back to Santa Claus again. Is uh, Keenan Wynn. We haven't really talked uh, about him. That's another. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you got to do an invitation to him if you can. <laughs> um, that's another great character and perfect, perfect voice. And uh, who doesn't identify with this guy who who is like, you know, he's 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 just. You just they 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 had the the that was the other thing they had down. They the shows hold up also because they were very conscious of the audience being very young children. And even though I remember my little sister being a little scared, you know, with the with the the bumble snow monster, just a little bit, you know, there'd be a little tiny bit. You would always have the reform villain. It was almost they were they, I think it was uh, Mari Laws saying to Jules Bass, we're kind of doing Dickens here, aren't we? Because yeah. he said, and we always ended the shows like three times. The story would end, and then it would end, and then it would end. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, and then there's always that yeah. tag with the, with the title song and the credit. As a three-year-old, I think the very first person, uh, the very first appearance of Winter Warlock is pretty unnerving i don't know if it really scared me as much as oh my god this guy it is, he's is, very is, scary yeah but, it's but like what my but that's what my dad i don't know if i say this in the commentary but it's what my dad used to teach me as a kid you know when you have his dream try to make friends with it try to yeah. laugh with try to try to turn the dream around when you get scared and that's yeah, kind of yeah. what they do they take these villains and you know long before maleficent and all these the other side of the bad guy kind of things yeah. you find out that there there's a that's all he knew he lived by himself he was lonely he was cranky you yeah. know and and he just wanted to be loved and accepted and wanted to contribute and yeah. and, and he was kind of like he's reformed you know it's, yeah. it's re, re, rehabilitation and bring him into the community and welcome him and, and then maybe he won't be a problem it it's very it's very childlike and might be a little naive. Can't we just get along? Well, obviously yeah. we can't, but in the context <laughs> of a special, that's the other thing about Santa Claus is coming to town. I forgot to mention. That's the only special that ends with a very um, pointed sequence about why Christmas and Santa and all of these things are important because yeah. it goes into all what we all do i can't take much more of the pressure i've got this to do i've got that to do christmas is christmas is a bother the noise of the crowds i really wish it were outlawed and then fred astaire looks at us and starts explaining you know isn't it worth it isn't aren't some of these things where i'm getting the chills i'm sorry talking about because i do, do, do you think uh charlie brown christmas with linus's speech kind of paved the way for that 
Absolutely. Okay. It, oh, it right. owes everything to that. And yeah, then because was, I mean, prior to that, you know, that. Rudolph certainly didn't have any religious overtones at no, all. No, well, well, they <laughs> frosty. They, no, not really. You know, it's like you know, and they and that's <laughs> another thing. You know, we have to, we have to always be cognizant or spiritual of spiritual overtones. I should say spiritual more than well, we have religious, to be cognizant yeah. of everybody's beliefs and how everybody yeah. celebrates and everybody celebrates. A lot of people celebrate different things. Yeah. This special toes the line so beautifully you yeah. know without being without without feeling like it's compromised and they didn't compromise the message and yet it's inclusive because yeah. when they get married they chose the holiest night of the year christmas right. eve but there isn't anything more said about it than right. that because we know that that right. night isn't really necessarily when jesus was born either Right. So the adults watching see they they're they're getting that it is Santa is 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 the pagan version is the non-religious aspect of Christmas. It's worked in so so gently, you know. Which yeah, good yeah. goodness, putting putting this sort of thing in gently is an art form that doesn't always <laughs> doesn't always come across well. And we've seen that in a lot of things where it's like yeah. I know you're meanwhile and you're trying to explain this. But put the sledgehammer away. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there was ever a time, you know, 1970, if there was ever a time to do it, that would probably be the exactly. time. Because I don't think they ever did that again. You know, you go to your year without a Santa Claus, you go to your Jack Frost. I don't think they had, except maybe the, what's that one called? The first Christmas or something? Sorry, the first that, Christmas snow. Yeah, that. And then, of course, Nestor the and the drummer. Yeah, there's voice. a little but, I mean, more of nativity. They, they, they kind of steer clear of all that stuff and and just yeah. stick with the Santa, you know, for the most part, you know. Yeah, there there are very few that the half hours usually do more of the of the uh, nativity based kind of stories. But uh, but the other thing about Santa Claus is coming to town is because it was 1970, and we were in the midst of Vietnam, and the Nixon administration and. Gosh, the country being torn in half. What's that like? <laughs> this that message is extremely powerful. And when you look at the the whole story of Chris in this, the fact that he's an outlaw, the fact that he's breaking the law of established by a government, there is some political uh, things in there too. He's he's like Robin Hood of old. He's called. Yeah. You know, oh, it is, it is a, <laughs> you just can't resist. I know. It's just pretty grand, eh? <laughs> it's perfect. Well, since I'm a Kringle. <laughs> you do a good Mickey Rooney. I, you know, if, if we ever do the the, the radio re-recording play, <laughs> we got to have you as the uh, yeah, I was talking Rooney to Santa. My, I was talking about the other day. I was talking the other day about the, uh, I don't know how it came up, but the, comment, the, the completely insane commentaries he does on the Twilight Zone DVDs. You know, I mean, he's incoherent and yelling at people, and but but then he, but on screen he's also going, I can't fit in my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be big. I want to be big. <laughs> you know, if you put him and William Shatner in the same thing, I think there'd be a tectonic shift and oh, the no. world would crumble. <laughs> 
I'm surprised, yeah, they never got Shatner for one of these Rankin Bass specials. I suppose if they kept making him, they probably would have gotten to him at some well, point. Well, <laughs> if they kept making him, yeah, but his career was, was sort of, he was doing the animated Star Trek, but doing voices in anything wasn't what it's considered now. He later did. He later did voices in other, lots of other things. And one of my favorite animated uh, things he did was doing the uh, end credits of Buzz Lightyear of Space Command. Oh, yeah. Direct to video to it to infinity and beyond, you know, <laughs> it's great, it's it's hysterical. <laughs> um, well, at this point, uh, where is Rankin Bass as a company? It's just owned by the, the assets are owned by Universal and by uh Warner Brothers. And well, I know, the... I think, did Jules Bass pass away? I should know this. Yeah, he, he passed okay. away okay. quite recently, okay, and he uh. He had all gone gone on to be a, a write, an author. He wrote a couple mm -hmm. of novels. He actually yeah. wrote a novel that was made into a Selena Gomez movie mm -hmm. uh, 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 called Headhunters. I don't mm -hmm. think the name of the the movie was the same, but yeah, his name's uh, based on the book by Jules Bass mm -hmm. on that. And um, th but there is no there is no Rankin Bass Productions. In yeah. existence today, there is no such thing as a Rankin Bass Productions. Okay. However, there they do have, um, you know, there are heirs, and there they do have a legal. There is a legal entity in uh, mm. somewhere, I believe, in probably in New York, that represents the the interests of what was Rankin Bass Productions. Okay. So, do uh, they have to be consulted anytime they put out, say, a collection well, like Jules this? Was. Okay. Jules was, um, uh, he actually was consulted on the materials. I mean, I didn't meet him, but um, Universal did want to get his approval on who was going to be involved and who was not going to be involved okay. with it. And um, they wanted, they felt it was just in some ways, it was kind of nice to find out that the, I had, I didn't met the executives. I was just told this by the production people and the producer. Um, that they they respected and wanted to to honor his wishes uh as far as that because he was the the last vestige of of that i mean peter is still around and he worked for them but um you know jules bass was rankin bass so yes yeah. he did he was given approval um what came out on there is is what bass wanted and what is not is what he didn't want we put it that okay. way <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, that's, that's that is the honest truth. That is, mm -hmm. That's as far as I can go, but that's the honest truth. Um, yeah. That may be the last thing related to their work that he that he consulted on. I mean, both of these these were people who were very visionary and wanted to look at the next project, you know, right? And and wanted to to see what was coming next. It wasn't always a look back kind of thing. That's one of the that's that's the way Walt Disney was. What's yeah. the, Barbara was, what can I sell so that we can keep the studio <laughs> going? And Hannah was saying, what can you sell to keep the studio going? So, you know, so people are still working. So mm -hmm. they were always looking to the next thing and they didn't always want to repeat themselves. Sometimes they were forced to, you know, yeah. Barbara would go in um, with a lot of new ideas too. It's, it's not that they were always repeating themselves. It's that they were expected to. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. You have to, you have to, you know, you got to fill the coffers sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm sure by the time they got to the life adventures of Santa Claus, uh, 
in 85 they probably said we've done everything what else is there to do well you know and yeah and they had started doing the the epic fantasies and plus yeah. thundercats because life and adventures oh, yeah. is the most thundercat ish of yeah. all of their specials because it's the same exact cast plus the great alfred drake probably mm -hmm. was retired too he was the he was the biggest name in the special and he was in kismet and all of these classic broadway shows he was in mm -hmm. oklahoma so that's a giant of the stage and people don't necessarily know him from other things but that was the same people who were lion o and it was bob mcfadden and, mm -hmm. and uh, lynn lipton and uh, i mean that was a great cast um, mm -hmm. on thundercats and it was just a handful of people um, yeah doing them and you could it was kind of cool because if you look th love thundercats the way i do it's like oh, it's, it's panthro you know it's, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah 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 uh, you know it was it was a it was a good special but was very very different than, yeah. than the other ones um so it was it was an evolving thing just like all companies evolve and do new things and move on to new territories but it is a body of work considering how small the company is um it's a body of work that that a, that a whole studio may not have been able to boast. It's, it really is a one of a kind entity. Yeah, and especially you know I keep holding this up. The twenty year period, sixty four to eighty five, twenty one year period, you know, was probably when they're at their peak. You know, it's like yeah. just what they did. Even though they had successes after and a few before, you know, it's just you know <laughs> and the other the other reality of of animated holiday specials and people say well why don't they show this or that anymore is well n the number one reason is they're accessible in so many other ways that's one reason but the other reason is is commerce again the specials were on just like just watch the macy's parade they're there to sell the holiday offerings the new movies the new toys right. the new whatever's you know parker brothers sponsored santa claus is coming to town that's there were a lot more toy and game commercials back then and as by 1985 you know you had the cartoon network um no maybe you didn't no you didn't have not, the cartoon network, yet, you know, but yeah. you had home video Yes. Then, a lot of people were getting VHS and beta machines. Mm -hmm. you, you, the world was starting to change, and what advertisers were buying was different by '85. So yeah. the need for those specials was changing. Um, I and, believe Rudolph and Santa Claus is Coming to Town and a couple others probably made their debuts around that time on VHS, if I believe, if I yes. remember correctly. Yeah, and they because I know I those, snapped them up, and then, <laughs> I've rebought the these video. things like about five six times over my lifetime you me know? too <laughs> you know? me too it's like, it's like... Mark, our mark evernier says how many times are they going to make me buy goldfinger again yeah no <laughs> but it's true they they had those they had the christmas wrapping boxes originally those were the first ones yeah and it was very very exciting you know yeah. i think rudolph was one of the first things that when we got a vhs recorder that i recorded yeah. because now i can watch it all the time yeah because i recorded them off the air prior to that but by the mid 80s they were starting to cut scenes we mentioned jessica's song on some santa claus is coming yeah. to town that got the cut a lot you know yeah. by the 80s you know just for time more than the song was bad you know but it probably had something to do with that for some people i suppose that's a boring song take it out but you know it more likely it's like hey we could put three more ads in here you know it's like okay. well you know that was a reality with musicals too because i was in a i was in a recording session uh in orlando but there was a guy who would we went into another booth 
uh, and a technician was editing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm. And it was for the magical world of Disney. Disney was showing other movies that weren't Disney on that, just like the Disney Channel showed the man called Flintstone. You know, they didn't right. always show Disney. <clears throat> and he told me he was cutting songs out, and Truly Scrumptious was one of them. And I said, oh, really? He says, well, it's got to fit that time slot and then the commercials. And so the first thing to go are the songs. Oh. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, golly, you know, I'm sure the first one was this lovely, lonely man that she sang in the garden because she was doing the same thing Jessica was doing, singing yeah. about the man she loves, but it didn't yeah. get all groovy. Yeah. Yeah. Or the the one I can think of, obviously, Willy Wonka, Cheer Up Charlie. Goes, Everybody got, picks you know, on Cheer Up Charlie. Yeah. And that's, I love that song. So I do too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, um, wrapping up here, uh, so we don't have to go to another iteration of this <laughs> <laughs> meeting where we go over and over and over. Um, is, I guess, I don't know. Is there a future for Rankin Bass? What do you think it's going to go? Just more and more collections, more and more compilations? Well, um, it, it's, it's like Jerry Beck. I often quote Jerry Beck. The great stuff endures. The great stuff um, uh, continues. It, it survives, you know, mm -hmm. changes and decisions and all that stuff. And if it's if there's something wonderful about it, even it doesn't even have to be something that was even popular at the time. If it just is there's something wonderful about it, it lives on. So this stuff's going to live on in various forms. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, as far as remakes, there have been some nice attempts. Um, right. But what what you can never make the lightning in the bottle happen again. So, you know, you yeah. have to have the more. It's just like Looney Tunes. There's been a lot of really good um, revivals and that. But all of it, but it's not termite terrace anymore. See, and yeah. it's not Carl Stallings with the Warner Brothers Orchestra. You can only go so far to duplicate precisely what and and tastes change. But even though tastes change, what's inherent in these specials doesn't have to change. People still yeah. like them, even if they're not modern by modern standards. You know, as far as the contemporary sounds that we're hearing and all, that's okay. They they still get accepted. And Christmas mm -hmm. sort of is the is the the time when they make an exception to what necessarily, I mean, there's, there's pop versions of, of songs and that's fine, but you're still hearing Bing Crosby and Ray Conniff and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Christmas sort of breaks the rules. And that's one mm -hmm. of the reasons they'll live on and on too. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you were ever asked to do more commentaries or something, you'd probably be right there. Uh, ready to uh, help them out. <laughs> natural, natural mole. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I'm. You know, like I said, I. That, yeah, I can do those things, and I. I can just. Um, <laughs> except when somebody goes, wait, then I have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know what note to leave that on but <laughs> there we go um uh well as we always, should end with twang boom now how did they record that i guess it has a little bongo a little bongo i think the twang must be because i think maury laws was a guitarist and a lot of okay orchestras and stuff and that's some flutes there for i have to think about it. it has some flutes in there and has a little bongo drum and uh some some trombones probably for the boom yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a great very, what a very, memorable very... tag you know yeah <laughs> and then the the uh, you know it took me years the, uh, i'm pointing to you in the wrong way you know the r 
and the B is represented on there, you know, because yeah. the R is a lowercase R and then the B is like the two circles is like a B or the whole thing is like a B. And I go, that's really clever. But it took me years to figure that one out, you know, because it's like a Saul Bass kind of thing. No right. relation. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that's very clever of them, you know. Um, it's like 31 flavors. It's like if you look at it, it looks like a 31, and then it looks like a BR, you know, if you look at the thing a different way, you know. Yeah. So so anyway. All right. Well, thank you again, Greg. We'll do it again sometime about some other subject. Who knows what? <laughs> we could just do always that a radio, pleasure, Mark. The it's radio always show always... of uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> yeah, we could just reenact it. Do it like on Monty Python. This is a reenactment. <laughs> uh, what's, you better not shout. You better not. <laughs> you better not shout. I'm telling you why. Too tall. You know, the little stiff the, 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 the little kids. Anyway. All right, I'm getting silly. So all right. Well, pleasure talking to you. This will be up sometime in December, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Uh and that ends another fun ideas podcast. This has been Mark Arnold, your host, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Greg Airbar, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 242 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Good night.